of hard work uh, that goes into that. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to talk about Ruth today, probably the last uh, sermon in this series. And many of us have been reading Ruth, a loving life in a world of broken relationships. So let me ask you, I'm going to ask you to do two things for me real quick. One, how many of us who are reading the book are done? Raise your hand. How many of you finished reading the book? Okay, good. Thank you. How many of us who are reading this book, how many would you say you're past chapter 11 in this book? Okay, better. So, not everybody's reading the book because we have a number of visitors with us today. You know, I go to a doctor. I go to a primary care physician. This primary care physician has prescribed to me a medicine called Tricor. Because my triglycerides are through the roof. My triglycerides, if it was money, I wouldn't have to work anymore in my life. <laughs> so with that being said, my physician gives me this drug called Tricor. And Tricor lowers my triglycerides. It lowers my cholesterol. And so it's good. I, it's, it's, amen, whatever. I don't feel any effect. I don't see anything. But he says it's a good thing. And I get reaffirmed by that whenever I do my blood work. Now, I don't have to take Tricor to live. But I want to live, so I take Tricor. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't have to take Tricor to live. I can live tomorrow without taking Tricor. I can live next week. I can live another month. I can live probably a few years. But if I don't take Tricor, my triglycerides will go through the roof. So... For those of us who are members of the DFW Church, if you're visiting with us today, just sit back and relax. <laughs> if you're a member of the church, why aren't you done? Why aren't you halfway through? Oh, there's not enough pictures. <laughs> the words are too big. Really? So here's medicine. Here's medicine. I didn't read it. I didn't write it. It's not about me. No one in the church wrote it. But here's medicine. To learn how to love. Do you have to learn how to love to live? No, you don't. You could live next week without learning how to love in a better way. Could you go another month not learning how to love? Sure. But will you need to love, learn to love if you want to live? Yeah. Enough said? So stand up for a second. Number two. Now, this is really important because I'm going to ask you something, and I need your obedience. <laughs> I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and then in 30 seconds, I need you to back and focus on me. 
I want you to welcome the person around you. Just say hi. Just say, what's up? Just give hugs. Just give some hugs and just love the person next to you. Go ahead. Love them. Give them some love. Give them some encouragement. Oh, man, it's good to see you. Oh, my goodness. Amen. 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 All right. Go ahead and sit down. Let's pray. Let's sit down. Let's sit down. And we're going to pray. Let's pray. Okay, Marcos. Amen. Let's pray. Randy Moon. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now this time thankful, humbled, grateful for the opportunity, God, to glorify you. Father, to, to be here together with a group of people to understand your word, to sing, to pray. Father, to sacrifice, Father, to have a vision for your future, vision not only here in Dallas, but throughout the world. We love you. Help us to learn what it means to love. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so it's all about Jesus. Jesus is our Lord. We're not Lord. Jesus is Lord. So let's look at a couple of scriptures here in John. I love John. John 13, 34, 35. A new command I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So here's the thing. If you've made a decision to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus or, or have a desire to become that, then you know what? One of the, one of the ways we show that we're disciples of Jesus is how we love one another. Here's medicine. Here's, here's a tool to help you learn how to love. John chapter 15, in verse 8. Again, Jesus is our Lord. By this, my Father is glorified. Chapter 15, verse 8. That you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. So, so thought number one is that we're going to show the world that we're disciples of Jesus by how we love each other. But guess here's another thing. And again, it's that whole theme of love. Is that, you know what, we're going to bear fruit. We're going to bear fruit. And, you know, you, oh, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, no, it's, it's actually other disciples. Because our love is going to make a difference, then you know what? People will become Christians because the love is different. John chapter 12, or John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So we understand that this love is going to be a sacrificial love, and ultimately we know that Jesus gave us that example. Our Lord gave us the example on how to love other people. John chapter 17, verse 23. It says, I and them, and you and me, 
that they may be become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So now there's this concept of oneness, unity. This love that we have from the Father, this love that we show to one another, this love that we show to a lost world shows how unified we are. Different backgrounds, different looks, different economic levels, different nations, different, 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 but one Lord, the same Lord, the same love. All men will know, glorifying God, laying down our lives, oneness, all examples of love. The Father, the Son, and us loving each other. And then lastly in John chapter 15 in verse 17. These things I command you. So it's like, what things? Well, you got to go back and look first part of John, but ultimately all the things that Jesus taught us. These things I've commanded you so that you will love one another. So we're talking about love. Love's a foundation. Love's a foundation of all meaningful relationships. In your life and in the lives of others. Disciples of Jesus, loving each other, loving the lost, unified. And you know, you see it in the Old Testament, because see, this is the heart of God. This is the heart of our Lord Jesus. So we get now to the book of Ruth. The book that we've been studying Four chapters in the Old Testament that probably most of us read earlier this year. How does the book of Ruth start? Do you remember how the first, like literally four verses start? It uses death words. It uses words like famine. Being separated from God and his people in a foreign land. He died. Her sons died. You see this struggle Naomi had, a struggle with life, a struggle with other people, a struggle with God. You see the beginning of Ruth, and you see depression, discouragement, disillusioned, and anger. That's how a book starts. Death words. You know, the older you get, it's shocking how many things can begin to start going wrong. <laughs> Death words. And then you have this interjection in the book of Ruth. And the interjection is this word, hesed. And this concept, this, this word, it means Loving kindness, it means loyalty, a steadfastness. It combines commitment with sacrifice. And you see this hesed, Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, all three practiced hesed with each other. They engaged each other, they served each other, they were loyal to each other, they loved deeply steadfastly, 
each other. Hesed. And again, this is an Old Testament concept, but you see it through our Lord Jesus. And you see it in the early church. The call to love. And how did it end? What was this legacy that these, these relationships had? Well, let's pick it up here in Ruth chapter 4, in verse 13. It says, it's up here on the screen, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, and he was the father of Jesse, the father of who we call King David. A legacy of love. And the results were overwhelming. This love, this hesed that these three gave to each other, literally three generations later, this grandson became the greatest king that Israel ever saw. And it's a great legacy. It's a legacy of love. And so my question here for us today is that what kind of legacy are you leaving? Now, we can say legacy is like, well, it's money, you know, it's property, it's a legacy. This is what I left to you. And that's true. But I think the word legacy is actually changing somewhat in our society now. I think it's more beyond just money. I think it's, uh, it's the future. What do you leave? What's your, what do you um, give to other people, your character, your, your thought that people has about you? And in this situation, it's kind of like a legacy of love. And you see that love through the grandson and the protector of all Israel, David. How about us? What legacy? Not financially, but what legacy are we leaving to our children and our grandchildren? And maybe perhaps to a nation. And see, that's heady stuff. That's like, you know what I mean? I can love someone in such a way that perhaps my well, in this situation, children's children. Or perhaps I can love my neighbor. Or perhaps I can love someone at work. Or perhaps I can love someone in such a way that maybe 75 years later, it has a significant impact. That's a legacy. And what we're here talking about this morning as disciples is learning how to have a legacy of love. I want to love deeper. I do. I want to love deeper. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to love better? Who doesn't want to love that their relationships can make an impact on other people 
50 years later. Well, let me just tell you, you came to the right place. Because now, brothers and sisters, for a short fee, I'm going to give you six ways. (laughs) Six ways that you can learn how to love and make an impact 75 years down the road. Just pass the plate one more time. So let's look at number one. Let's look at six ways to love others from the book of Ruth. Point number one. Remember, everyone is broken. Remember, everyone is broken. You remember how the book of Ruth began? Death words. Famine, death, separation. Well, let's, let's just, let me just put it this way. You know we're all broken. And we move and have our being with other broken people. Do you know that we're all, we all have issues? And those of us who have children raise children with issues. You know, we think, oh, my gosh, we're in the kingdom, and, and if we're in the kingdom, and we're raising our kids, and because we raised them in the church, they're not going to have issues. Guess what? They're broken, just like you. You know that person that you're sitting next to? Broken. Yeah, you know what? And I appreciate it because some of you know it. We dress ourselves up, but we hide our brokenness. We put our makeup on, we dress up in our clothes, we drive to work, we hide behind perhaps our income or or our abilities, but we're all broken. If you got married, you married someone who's broken. Your parents were broken. Your siblings were broken. Your coworkers were broken. So if we're surrounded by broken people, how do you love broken people? Well, again, again, these are my thoughts from the book of Ruth. But when you understand that everybody's broken... I'm going to be a little more patient with you because you're broken. Going to suffer a little bit longer because you're broken. I'm going to be balanced because we're broken. I'm not going to have these unrealistic expectations up here because really we're all broken. You know, I'm not going to take things so personally. Maybe when someone says something inappropriate or stupid, they're broken. You know, I'm going to take the time to get to know other people's brokenness. I'm going to ask questions. What was it like? What did you go through? I am, you know, Patty, she's helped me say these words, learn these words. I'm sorry. It's been great 
Now people tell me, I was with some brothers, we were playing poker the other day, and it's okay, there was no money involved. And we were playing poker, and one brother shared that, you know what, hey, I had to go to the hospital, had some GI issues or, or bladder and stuff, and, and I, I, first words out of my mouth, I am so sorry. Ten years ago, never would have said that. Probably would have been an inappropriate joke. But now it's like, bro, I'm so sorry. You know what? Because he's broken. And he's going through some health issues. Ask questions. And then I got to learn to get open about my brokenness. Let me share with you how I'm broken. Let me share with you how I was raised up. Let me share about some of the things I went through growing up. Let me share. I want to be open. I want people to know that I'm broken. So you want to have deeper relationships? Just remember, we're all broken. Number two, do what's right for other people, their best interest. Do what's right for the other. In Ruth chapter 1, in verse 8, but Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Here, here in this situation, again, it's verse 8, okay? We've already dealt with the, the death word. And now we're on verse 8. Naomi's telling her two daughter-in-laws, go. Go home. It's better for you. Go to your family. They love you. They'll take care of you. You'll, you'll be all right. I'm, I'm old and I'm going to die leave because she was thinking about them she was considering them their needs what do they need they're young women they can still get married they can have kids go you have hope it's not about me it's not about my wants it's not about my desire let me think about you I need to do what's right by you that doesn't mean, and I'll, get, I'll talk about this here in a second, but, but think of others. What do they need? Do what's right for them. Even though it might not be the best thing for you, but what's good for them? Number three, verbalize the good in others. Communicate the good. Ruth chapter 2, verse 11. I love this section here. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, un, un, who's under whose wings you have taken refuge. Here's Boaz, and what he's doing is he's verbalizing to Ruth the good that she's been doing. You know, words mean something. You can use them to build, or you can use them to, you can use them to tear down. You know, I have two sons. One's married, one's not married. 
you know, I want both of my boys to learn how to treat their wives when the second one gets married. But I want my boys to learn how to treat their women, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, <laughs> you, to treat their wives in a way that's respectful and loving, and to watch the words that come out of their mouth, because I know the pain, the hurt, the frustration that they can inflict on the person they love the most. And usually it's because they don't think about the words that are going to come out of their mouth. And I've learned that because I've been married almost 30 years. And I've had lots of practice being stupid. <laughs> words mean something. Be a good finder. Not a fault finder. You know, it's so funny. I, 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 it's just like God is so funny because he keeps giving me opportunities. Two situations happened this week. We were like, I woke up and, and, and well, actually, the night before I was out and I said, hey, honey, can you make the coffee before we, uh, be, you know, because I'm going to be out late tonight and I don't want to have to come home and make it. And she said, oh, yeah, no, wait, how'd it go? Yeah, um, I made the coffee. And this is another time. I made the coffee, and, and how did it, I'm getting two stories connected. The bottom line is, I woke up, oh, and there was grounds on my coffee. Grounds in the coffee. That was the night I asked Patty to make coffee. And, and evidently, well, what happened is that I, I didn't put the lid back on the coffee maker. And my first thoughts were, woman? <laughs> and then literally, half an hour later, she goes, yeah, you know, I got up this morning early before you did, and uh, I noticed you didn't put the lid on the coffee thing. <sighs> <laughs> and it was me. It wasn't her. Then we have our Bible talk. We're having like a D group. We're setting up the first three months of our uh, of our uh, year for the Bible talk, and we're having this, everyone's coming in and getting ready, and sisters, husbands are coming in, and, and I noticed one of the sisters had her hair done, and, and I'm like, oh, did you get your hair done? And she goes, yes, I did. She goes, my husband didn't even notice. And I'm like, well, that husband of yours. And, <laughs> and, and then he asks my wife, or, and, then, uh, and then Patty mentioned, he goes, yeah, I had my hair done today too, and Todd didn't say a word. <laughs> And again, that word woman wanted to come out of my mouth, you know? And, and I'm just like, I want to go negative. I want to, I, I don't want. God has a sense of humor. And you know what? We got to learn how to verbalize the good. We got to find the good and not be so quick to find fault. You know, and the other thing I love about this, too, is that, you know, you can use other people's words. Use other people's words. You know, for instance, you know, like, uh, like, like, like if I go up and, and I say something really nice, 
about Jeff Smith and Kelly Smith and how what a great job they're doing up in campus and how they're blowing it out. And then someone goes and tells them, yeah, Todd, Todd shared about you in fellowship, about what a great job you're doing. It wasn't me saying it. It was someone else telling them what I said. And so not only are they encouraged by, well, something nice was said, but they're encouraged also that Todd's sharing that with other people. That's what Boaz did. Boaz is talking to Ruth and says, the everything you've done has been told to me. Everything you've done, leaving your, your family, leaving your your country, coming to a new place that's not your, your home, is that everything you've done has been told to me. And he's telling this to Ruth. He's telling her what this whole town has been talking about her. And he's just recommunicating. And, and how do you think that meant, how that made Ruth feel? Dang. The whole town's talking about me. In a good way. And they're they, this is what they think about me. And she must have been so inspired. Verbalize. Communicate. The good in others. Number four. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. Ruth chapter four, verse nine. It says, then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought the land of Naomi, from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Abimelech and all that belonged to Shion and to Mylon, Mylon, also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Mylon. I have brought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance and the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Basically, the bottom line was they didn't have social security back then. And the issue was a kinsman redeemer was the one that needed to look out for their relatives, their family. I mean, there's actually Natural Geographic just came out with this big section in this month's uh, edition of Natural Geographic about how like widows and, and, and women with children and how hard it is in most of the world when their male, their husband dies, and the lack of legality protecting them. And so this is what's going on here. And we already had a kingsman redeemer back out, says, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to take this responsibility because it might jeopardize my finances, so I'm not going to do this. Boaz did. Boaz was willing to do it God's way. Boaz was willing to step up. You know, I'm going to love God more than a person. Do you know when you put God first and you do it God's way, then you know what? You can love people the way you're supposed to love them. You can love correctly. You know, I can trust. Because I know that, for instance, the relationships I have put God more than me been married now for almost 29 years in this relationship i've never questioned patty's love for me because she puts god first i never have to think about her i never i've never thought about 
her not being faithful to me. Ever. Not even hint. Because she puts God first. It's obvious. Even when we're having arguments, even when we're having disagreements, I can see that when she's putting God first and she's not being governed by her emotions. So I can trust. She's going to do it God's way. When I deal with brothers, when I deal with sisters, when I deal with problems in the church, when I can tell people are putting God first, it's going to work out. It's not going to be a problem because we're committed to do it God's way. God's way works. I learned a long time ago, mine doesn't. Do it God's way. Number five. Listen to advice. Ruth chapter 3 and verse 6. It says, so she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. Listen to advice. You want to love people? You really want to understand how to build great friendships and love people? Get advice. Get input. Many advisors make victory sure. When you get advice, you're not governed by emotions. You're not governed by your background. You're not governed by your brokenness. You know, sometimes I just need people around me that will shoot straight with me and tell me the truth, and then I don't have to be governed by all my emotions. You know, it's really funny. I get a big kick out of being married now for 30 years because I'm becoming more like Patty 30 years ago, and Patty's becoming more like me 30 years ago. I'm much more sensitive now. I'm a wallflower emotionally. And she's toughened up so much now that, you know what, things don't bother like maybe they used to. But it bothers me. (laughs) And so my emotions are all over the place. And sometimes I just need people to say, Todd, you're being a little emotional here. Suck it up. Okay, good. I need that in my life. You know, sometimes you need to say no. You know, here's the challenge. If you want to have, if you want to learn how to love people, some people will take everything you have to give. They'll suck it out of you. They'll suck the life out of you. And you know what? You got to get advice how to engage people like that. Because sometimes you have to say no. But get advice. Get help. I need help in this relationship. I need help loving this person. What do I need to do? You need to say no. And that's okay because you're getting input. Listen to advice. And then lastly, number six from the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Be vulnerable even if you might get rejected. And you will be rejected you know I, I just I just want I, I really wanted to get the little Yoda be afraid be very afraid be vulnerable even if you might get rejected Ruth chapter 3 verse 1 then Naomi's her mother-in-law said to her my daughter should I not seek rest for you that it may go be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? 
See, he is willowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lay down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Do you know she subjected herself in a vulnerable way? Rejection. Humiliation. Judgment. Being shamed. I mean, all the town was praising her, and then she goes and does this. It could have swung the other way in such a way that who knows what could have happened, how bad it could have got for her. But she was vulnerable. She opened herself up again to advice, to God's way, and she did this, and it really put her in a tight spot. But she still did it. You know, I've said probably dozens of times, humility begets humility. You want someone to treat you in a humble way? Be humble. You want someone to treat you in a respectful way? Be respectful. You want someone to love you? Be loving. You want someone to be loyal to you? Be loyal. What you want, be. You want people to be vulnerable and real and to share with you their brokenness? Share. Again, be appropriate, be wise, but share. You know, you imagine this Hesed. Imagine the results how overwhelming they would be if this is how we loved one another. Imagine the impact on a lost world. Imagine on the unity and what a group of people can do together. Imagine the relationship if we practice hesed. And here at the end of the day, this morning, right now, you set the standard for relationship. You do. Not the person next to you. Not the person whose Bible talk you're in. Not who's leading it. Because they're all broken. You set the standard for relationship. If you don't feel like you have good relationship, I just gave you six ways from the book of Ruth that you can implement that you can build the relationships that you want, that you can love other people the way you want to be loved. But it's got to start with you because you set the foundation for relationship. I hope this morning we'll really evaluate six ways to love each other. Remembering that everyone's broken, doing what's right for the other, what's best for them, verbalizing the good, Doing it God's way, listening to advice, and being vulnerable. I believe this is what Jesus did. This is why Jesus called us. Our Lord called us to love. This was his expectation for his people to set this standard. To love. And it is so.
so hard. It is so difficult. There are things that we can do in the world's religions that it's just so much easier to be that than to learn how to love. So as we go to God in communion, as we go to our Father and remembering the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us, his, his life on this earth, the shedding of his blood for us, I pray that we'll evaluate how we're loving one another and that we'll learn to love the way that Jesus has called us, our Lord, to love. Let's go to God in prayer.